are again, our little goslings. Look who and, it is. And here we are. Look what the cat dragged in. It's Will. Hi. It's Liz. Hi again. It's the Smug Buds. <laughs> I'm I'm only one of those. I'm Will, but I'm saying hi to you, Liz. Hi, Liz. Yes, and hi, Will. How are you today? I'm doing a-okay. Thanks for asking. How are you? I know it's not very good, but for the sake of the podcast, how are you? Oh, I'm so fucking tired. Mm-hmm. I woke up. I, I mean, this sounds crazed. Kenny was like, did you know you were going to do this? Or are you like going through emotional things? And I was like, well, yeah. both. Mm-hmm. The answer is yes. Yeah. Um, I woke up at four um, and couldn't fall asleep for the second night in a row. So at five, I got up um, and I took a shower and washed my hair. I then let it dry for like 15 minutes. I then dyed my hair with overtone, let that sit for 20 minutes. I then took another shower and then I cut my hair. (laughs) It's looking very good. Thank you. I'm pleased actually with how it turned out. Maybe I never need to get a haircut again. That's not true, but I'm like a (laughs) professional one. Mm -hmm. Um, I need a haircut. A professional one. Yeah. I meant I meant to uh, schedule one today and I realized at like five thirty that I had forgotten to do that. Where did you get haircuts? Uh, I have had one barber since moving here to Tucson and she has moved around to a lot of different places. That's what I need. And I've followed her from place to place. Yeah. Every time I get a hair cutter that I like, I'll go there like twice and then that person will move and I it's like I can't follow them. Yeah. Um, Kenny's been going to one barber for the whole time we've been in Maryland. Um, yeah. And I like her and I go there sometimes too. She can cut my hair. I like her, but um, she's kind of sexist. Okay. <laughs> so it's like hard to get her to li- like when I'm getting my hair cut really short, it's hard- she like just doesn't cut it short enough. Yeah. Yeah. Which is hilarious because she cuts men's hair all day short enough. Right. The one time she left a little like baby rat tail on the back of my head because mm-hmm. it was more, and she literally said, because it's more feminine. And I said, please cut that square. <laughs> um, Have you thought of maybe like wearing a fake mustache <laughs> when you go see her? <laughs> That's a good idea. Um, Talking in a deep voice. Yeah, I'm sure I would definitely trick her. <laughs> um it's her, it's it's called like Anne's Barber or something like that. And Anne is the lady, but then there are three dudes that work there. Mm-hmm. And the one day Anne was, and they always have TV playing. Um, As they should in a barber shop. And I think they're Vietnamese. And so it's always like Vietnamese YouTube videos, which I don't have a problem with. Cool. I just want to be very clear. It's not like I'm like, I need this to be in English. Not complaining. Um, but... The one time she wasn't there when I took Elliot for a haircut, the last, it was the last haircut. Elliot has gotten, I think, two haircuts since then, but it was the last haircut he got before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. He's actually only gotten one haircut. I think he's only gotten one haircut. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was like January of 2020 and she wasn't there and they were um, singing karaoke. Mm. So it was like the three dudes and the one dude was cutting Elliot's hair and the other two dudes had m- microphones, like full microphones. Yeah. And we're singing karaoke, I believe, in Vietnamese. 
Fun. Very badly. And I sure. was like, this is, oh, and they have a dog too. They have a dog, oh. a, a, a beagle named Benny. Okay. Well, sounds like there's a lot of good reasons to go back to that yeah, place. Yeah, there's a lot of good reasons to go there. And Benny's really, um, sometimes we'll go there and we're like, where's Benny? And she's like, Benny's going for a hike. He needs exercise. Mm. Mm. <laughs> That's nice. Um, But yeah, uh, well, uh, do you have old business? I don't think I have any old business. Do you? Yeah. Okay. I emailed you about this or texted you maybe. Business. What is it? Um, I have a new category for music videos. Oh yes. Um, and I I called them sort of vaguely war music videos, and that's not really what they are. They're more like music videos that have some sort of like military presence in them. Mm-hmm. But it's especially it's specifically for musicians that like. I, I'm basically saying, like, aren't country singers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, like, in places that it's unexpected, like, why is this the theme of this right now? Right. So the sort of quintessential song is Ghost of You by My Chemical Romance mm-hmm. from Three Cheers with Sweet for Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge. Um, their second full the second full length. Um, but the one the one that is most I don't want to say most famous, but the one that really got them into the scene. Um, the one that, that had, broke through. Yeah, their breakthrough album because that was the one that had like uh, Helena and I'm not okay, trust me. Um, and this song, which was one of the singles, um, it takes place in like World War Two, and it sort of shifts back and forth between the boys being like sort of like USO performers, but also being soldiers like on D-Day, like mm-hmm. storming Normandy Beach. Yeah. Um, and there's some really, really beautiful cinematography. I'm thinking one of specifically of one shot where it's like an overhead shot of this like dance floor where they've all been dancing and some people are sort of walking off the dance floor. And as that happens, like a wave like washes over the dance floor and then it just completely transitions to the beach. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and which is to say that it's like a weird music video to watch because these dudes are like the most like antithetical to the military. Yeah. Possible. And mm-hmm. it's like, why is this happening? And I also looked up, I was looking at the Wikipedia when I was sort of started thinking about this. And apparently that music video cost a million dollars, which I'm sure, sure other music videos have cost that much. But for My Chemical Romance, for their like late album single to have yeah. a million dollar music video is like, maybe it's not strange, but it feels strange. It seems expensive. It's probably really ordinary, but also. Yeah. It was definitely expensive for them because it like they brought they brought it up in an interview that was quoted. Um, which is how I know the information. <laughs> Weird flex. Um, so there's that one. There's a Paramore song that I don't remember the name of offhand. We'll put this. We'll put all the songs in the show notes. And that one's not explicitly like they're at war, but it's like some sort of like there's all this like it's like she's walking through like tear gas, and there's like some sort of protest, and there's all these military people. Sure. And then the third one is there's this Katy Perry song, mm-hmm. um, which is, side note, anytime I think about Katy Perry, I think about um, California Girls. Yeah. 
and I think about one of the willpower hours um, when mm. your radio show. Yep. I think it was over the summer where you had to play a song off of a list. Okay. And you had, do you know what I'm talking about? No. Okay. So you had to play a song on a list mm-hmm. from a list. Um, this was like a contractual thing. I remember having to do this. And um, you had like an indie rock show. Yeah. And you were like, so uh, I'm going to play something. Uh, we don't normally play. And you said something that sort of briefly explained this list, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you said, so uh, this is California Girls by Katy Perry, which is like one of the most like obnoxious songs and is also like the music video. She like has like, I think that's the music video where she has like whipped cream coming out of her boobs. Yes. Um, And you came back on the air and you were like, well. You know, not our normal fare in this on the show, but uh, there, there we go, or something mm. like that. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, this is the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. I was mm-hmm. so, I was so giggly. Oh, that's nice. Um, but she has a song where she's like, it starts with her, and she's been broken up with, and then she like cuts off all her hair and joins the army, and it's like a mm. training montage. Mm-hmm. But it's like so, like Katy Perry's not joining the fucking army. Yeah. Katy Perry is somehow convincing Legolas himself to impregnate her. Is I don't know that. Katy I, Perry just had a baby like in the past like year and a half. Okay. Or maybe two years. Actually, this came out. She announced this with a music video when we were at AWP in 2020. Cool. She had a baby with Orlando Bloom. How and old? I don't know why I can't comprehend this. <laughs> They're celebrities. You know, they do this. How long has she not been with Russell Brand? Oh, I don't know. I forgot about that. No. See, that's I mean, I guess at least since March of 2020. Yeah. (laughs) Obviously, I am not with the times. But yes, what I remember about Katy Perry's personal life is uh, her and and Russell Brand being together. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, the other thing too is like, I was searching for these mm-hmm. videos and I know that more exist. Oh, absolutely. Like, sp- specifically D-Day related music videos. I know there's another one and I cannot find them through searching. So if somebody wants to find them for me and tell us, Goslings, please send us an email at smugbuds at gmail.com. Possibly a, a side effect of the, uh, success of the film Saving Private Ryan. Maybe. When did that movie come out? Um, I want to say early 2000s. Yeah, I'm I'm going to look this up right now because that actually really tracks. Uh, maybe it's I'm also in, looking it up. Came it's, out in 98. Right. Earlier than I thought. And Ghost of, but you're, I don't think you're wrong because Ghost of You came out in 2004. So it was definitely still in the like zeitgeist, especially because, um, you know, thing like things moved more slowly back then. But also we can't forget. We mustn't forget. We, we in fact, must never forget. Um, we, we're recording this on, on uh, September 10th. Yes. Uh, 9-11 Eve. Yes. Uh, it's the 20th uh, anniversary tomorrow. And um, I'm probably going to re- release this a little bit later in the month. So it'll be... Which is good because I will in be the at the beach view and not mirror. be able to post it. <laughs> yeah. It'll, it'll be at least a week before I... 
get yeah. around to uh, editing this. But, uh, you know, all that, uh, you know, military imagery was also yeah. um, was More also prevalent. post 9-11. Yeah. Any bushier stuff had a lot of military imagery. Yeah, that's right. Um, all around. Yeah, that's a good point. So, yeah, please, if you know of a music video and you're listening to this, please um, text me or something or send us an email. But you could also text me because you probably have my cell phone number. <laughs> uh-huh. If you're listening to this, yeah, chances are good. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's my old business. Um, a, wor- a worthy addition to the canon that you created with your music videos episode. I'm really proud of that episode still. I reference it regularly. <laughs> nice. Oh, one just very side note about music videos. Have you seen the um, new Lizzo music video that has no. Cardi B in it? No. It's um, all sort of like based around the, um, the uh, there's a word for them, but the women that are singing on the vase and Hercules. Yeah, the um, muses. Are they the muses? Okay. I think so. Um, it's all based on the muses. And so mm-hmm. besides the song's a bop. The song is fun. The music video is fun because of that. Yeah. Um, but Cardi B is pregnant and she's so pregnant. Mm-hmm. And her like boobs are just covered in gold, which looks like wild. I mean, it looks cool, but it looks just like it looks like armor. And then she's just like super pregnant. And I I can't think of a time that I've seen a really pregnant person in a music video. God, except for that fucking Katy Perry music video that came out. We're at AWB mm. and she announced mm. she was pregnant with Orlando friggin' Bloom. Okay, yeah. everything comes full circle. I don't know how I missed that. Uh, what sounded like, you know, that Katy Perry announcement music video sounds like it probably would have been the biggest thing in the news right at that time <laughs> for a significant stretch of time. I don't know how I missed it. <laughs> can't make me laugh too much um that's not true please make me laugh um okay so will what are we talking about today baby well i think uh maybe the uh most succinct umbrella that i could use to define your topic is children's media is that accurate to say yes yeah so i'm gonna make it narrower um right now so i have a child who is for the next 15 days under five, 14 days, I guess, technically, because hmm. um, on the 15th day, he will be five. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I have encountered a lot of children's media over the past five years. And I was talking to Kenny about this, and I had four categories, but he pointed out a fifth. And so I'm going to say that there are five. I feel like there are about five categories of children's media. Okay. On the one really extreme end is things made for kids that are really for parents. So a good example of this is the book uh, Love You Forever. Do you know that book? No. So this is a book that the cover has this picture of this baby um, that's like made a mess with toilet paper. He's like a toddler has like made a mess with toilet paper in the bathroom. Mm. And... The story is about a mom who has a baby and every night she sings to him, I'll love you forever. I'll love you for always. As long as you're living, my baby will be. This has been parodied a lot, by the way, so it might start to sound familiar. Okay. So then the baby's like a toddler and it makes a mess and she's really frustrated. But every night she sings to him the song. Yeah. 
he becomes a bigger kid, and I forget what he does at the bigger kid stage. He becomes a teenager, and he, like, doesn't, he, like, he has, like, a really goofy hat on, and he's Mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm a teenager in the 90s, or whenever the book came out. Mm. And, um, but every night, or every so often at this point, she goes into his room and picks him up while he's sleeping and sings, I'll love you forever, I'll love you for always, as long as you're living, my baby you'll be. Then he's a fucking adult, Will. Mm-hmm. And it shows her driving across town in a truck with a ladder. And she climbs into his house and picks up his adult body. And it has a illustration of this mm-hmm. and sings the song. And then the last two pages are she's old and small and he picks her up mm-hmm. and sings the song and then goes into his daughter's room. And I'm going to, I hate this book and it still makes me cry. Mm-hmm. And he picks up his daughter and sings, I'll love you forever. I'll love you for always. Now, I hate this book. And do you see how I'm actually crying right now? Yes. And my mom used to read this book to us and would just weep and so we would ask her to read it to her to us so we could see her cry that's pretty funny that's a that's a good gag (laughs) and she then like got over it but like that's not really a book for children sure it's not engaging with children you know we'll talk more about what it what i think it it being good means but Mm -hmm. Really, it's a nostalgic book for parents that they read to their kids, and then when they get older, the kids are like, oh, I get this now. Sure. So that's like one category. Mm-hmm. On the extreme other category is what I call trash children's media. Okay. <laughs> and this is like, I think, I don't want to say a new category, but I feel like the volume has increased significantly with the advent of YouTube. As with everything. Yes. (laughs) I mean, we sort of simultaneously got not only YouTube, but one million other platforms. I'm including television channels in that category. And so, yeah, the volume of every kind of entertainment and media has increased a million fold. So when I say trash media, I mean things that have very little artistry. Um, they're very repetitive. Usually, they usually are really glossy and have a lot of like the the thumbnail will usually not usually but oftentimes have some sort of rainbow colors on them. Mm-hmm. And it'll be just like literally videos of like somebody not talking and like showing different toys like come across the screen not Mm -hmm. even like an unboxing video just like literally like here's five cars um it can also be i also count in this like the very very poorly done cgi videos Mm -hmm. um of like i mean the sort of really sort of like this is probably leaning a little bit more in towards the other direction, but only a little bit. There's this channel called Coco Melon, mm-hmm. which has all these children's songs, but the like CGI is very like like animatronic slow. Mm-hmm. Um and it's like very glossy, um like very uncanny valley. Yeah. And this is like in 
in the same way that those books are really only made for adults, this is really only made for children in the sense that it does something in their little brains that just lights them up and they can't look away. Mm -hmm. But there's like nothing happening. Right. Then, um, if we want to move away from trash a little bit, there's the corporate children's media. Sure. So this is the highly produced, um, highly, um, like very glossy, but in a different way. Like not, like not in like a wow, everything is CGI and like nobody understands nuance way, but like in a like, oh, this is like the best CGI we have available at the time, and like we have real voice actors, and it's like made for children and there might be things like these are things that like maybe you can get away watching the show if you're an adult and you won't hate it but it's the paw patrols mm. it's um i would like depending on your mood i would put like peppa pig in this category mm-hmm. um it's no i'm not gonna put that there it's these things that are just like they're also heavily merchandised yeah and they're, like, made for children, and you can get away with them, and they're, maybe they're fun, but, like, oh, sorry, I forgot to mention this. When I'm talking about children's media, I am looking specifically at this, when I mentioned this earlier, at the range of stuff that's going to be watched for kids under five. So yeah. kids that can't read is my sort of, I mean, clearly there are kids older than five that can read and younger that can read. But, like, kids that, like have limited language skills and also are starting to understand stories and arcs and comprehend things. Um, Because I feel like there's plenty of children's media that you and I both love, but it's for older kids. Mm -hmm. So like Avatar, The Last Airbender is like a perfect example of this. Mm -hmm. That's not really marketed for like three-year-olds. Right. (laughs) Um. So, yeah, anyway, so that's, like, the corporate shiny. On the other sort of end away from really made for parents is um, really quality media that's, like, really, really made for kids. And it's really, like, well-made and, like, clearly functioning really well. And, you know, it might be highly merchandised, but it's also just, like... You know, it's being researched. Um, There's, like, empirical evidence that it's, like, children respond well to it. So I'm talking about your Mr. Rogers Neighborhood, your Sesame Street. Mm -hmm. Um, I would count Blue's Clues in here. Mm -hmm. Um, Things that are sort of beloved. Yeah. um, But also not really in this fifth category. And the fifth category that I'm looking at is Sweet Spot Children's Media. This is stuff that, as an adult, I do not tire of easily or at all. That, but also that Elliot has always actively engaged in, has been able to um, respond to, um, and that I never, not that I ever feel, I'm not like a screen parent, screen time parent. I'm not one of those parents. (laughs) Maybe I will be later. You mean the the kind that has, like, limits on that? Yeah, or that is worried about it and, like, Mm -hmm. reading articles. Right. 
mostly because, and maybe again, maybe I will when he gets older, but um, right now Elliot, and we've always sort of given him sort of full access to everything. And so he really will be like, I want to play outside. I want to watch TV. I want to play with my toys. Like if we were like, hey, do you want to watch TV on the couch all day? He'd be like, what? No. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like he'd be Mm -hmm. bored. Unless he's sick, he's bored with that idea very quickly. Right. I wanted to do an episode on this. And the reason I feel smug about this is because, um, you know, the reason that, you know, because like I just said, like I'm not a screen time parent. I feel like a lot of parents are like, I only want my kids to watch things that are educational. And I think you and I know as people who love media that that's bullshit. That I shouldn't only show Elliot something if it's teaching him something because part of what is beloved about a lot of the media that you and I love is like how it taught a story or genre or um, conventions or like even format, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Or, right. um, you know, creative thinking and like when it creates worlds. And so I don't need it to be like, well, if Elliot's going to be watching television, he's going to watch him something that's going to be singing the alphabet. Right. Or teaching shapes or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I want, you know, the main thing with anything that your kid watches is I want to be able to engage with my child. I want my child to be able to engage with the materials. And I want um, us to be able to talk about it and maybe play on it later with something we're doing um, when we're not watching or interacting or reading it. Mm -hmm. And that's true of, like, the trash media, too. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, like, very specifically, I I can't even say this is entirely for children. There's this set of YouTube videos that are these, like, hamster mazes. And they're these incredibly lay, they're in, these incredibly detailed boxes. Um, there's like a couple of different versions of them, but like for example, there's one that's this like set of boxes that are stacked up, and there are these like little mazes that um, like are obstacle courses that hamsters have to get through, and then they go through a hole into like the next layer, and the person like picks the top box layer off, and then you see, like that in and of itself is kind of in that trash territory. Okay. Um, because it's like. There's no narrative. There's, like, not really anything to engage with. You just can't look away because you're waiting for the hamster to do the next part. Mm -hmm. But the way that I can engage with my child on that is that now I know he's thinking about the, like, the sort of, like, concept of, like, an obstacle course or, like, a, you know, a path or, like, setting up a sort of, um, what are those fancy machines that don't actually make sense? Rube Goldberg. Thank you. Yes. A Rube Goldberg machine. So, Yes. I want to talk about that today because I think that there's a wide range of media that has these things. Um, I've tried to pick a bunch of different stuff to mm-hmm. go over. Um, and also because if there's somebody with a parent, with a parent, <laughs> I hope so. I'm so tired. There's somebody with a child out there who's really struggling with, with this because I feel like this gets really frustrating where... You know, like, for example, like, I love Sesame Street, but I fucking hate Elmo. Mm. He's so obnoxious. And I went out of my way to show Elliot. Elliot was never obsessed with Elmo. And you know why? Because I didn't fucking show him Elmo. I showed him a lot of Grover. I showed him a lot of uh, Big Bird. I showed him the Count. 
I showed him um, Fuzzy and Blue, an incredible song that also includes uh, uh, Cookie Monster and, oh, what is that other weird blue monster's name? It's not Henry. Um, there's like another blue monster that has like a normal, like a human name. <laughs> you lost me. Um, but that song is like a catchy, fun song. Mm-hmm. You know, I showed him all of those things. And if it was an Elmo-centric video, I turned it off. And when we were watching actual Sesame Street, like the full episode, I would get to the end where it started playing the Elmo's World theme. And I would say, well, what a great episode. And I would turn it off to the point that Elliot a few times got to the end of an episode and went, oh, it's over, and would pick up his tablet and turn it off. Wow. Oh, I trained him. Yeah. Um, but, s- but, huh? How sad for my friend Elmo. <laughs> Do you like Elmo? Elmo is my gateway to uh, my real friend, uh, Mr. Noodle. Ah, yes. Played by the great Bill Irwin. Mm-hmm. So, by Elmo sort of a, you know, necessary friend. Evil. Yeah. Yeah, and like I'm not gonna hang, get to hang out with Mr. Noodle unless Elmo is there, and <laughs> so that's fair. It's a package deal. I I appreciate that. Yeah, I just like I knew so many parents whose kids were obsessed with Elmo, and it was just like Elmo, 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 Elmo all the time. When there are all these incredible other Muppets, I think that's the thing too. Is like I didn't want it to be the only one. Like there are other Muppets and other characters on Sesame Street. Mm-hmm. And um. Which is to say, I know parents that end up with kids who are who like this media that they just hate. And I, you know, there's always going to be things that Elliot likes that I don't like. But with all of parenting, part of my job is to expose him to a bunch of different things so that he can figure out what he likes. And I think that there's a way that I can do that where I expose him to things that we both genuinely get derive joy from. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to start with some low-hanging fruit. <laughs> Something mm. that you and I both know, both maybe love, maybe, I don't know, maybe you hate it. Um, which is like a physical game that you can play with like a younger child pretty early. And that game is Uno. Like, Will, if you and I were together right now, hanging out, maybe having a beer, and a bunch of us were like, why don't we play Uno? Like, we're just like fucking around, we're listening to music, we'd probably have a good time playing Uno, right? Sure. You know, if it's like low stakes, people aren't really paying attention. You know, we like aren't really, you know, it's one of those things where like you want to do something, but you don't want to really have to like concentrate. You know, Uno is the kind of game you can play with your cousins, uh, maybe at the beach. Um, when you go there to hang out with your, your mother-in-law and you can have a great time. And the good news is that with Uno... We, that was the first card game we were ever able to really play with Elliot because he was very, it was very easy for him to, he knew what colors were and he knew what numbers were fairly early and he understood matching. And once he understood those concepts, we were able to play Uno with him. And it was fun because this is how he learned like to like get people, you know? And this is how he also learned some of his first, like, disappointment in losing. 
Um, which you have to teach a kid to navigate, otherwise they'll lose their minds. Though I will say, Elliot for a while was, like, very afraid of losing games, and I remember there was, like, a a month period where he was, like, very afraid of losing games, and he literally won every time, and I was like, I kept being like, but Elliot, if you lose, that's okay, because we all had fun playing, and maybe the next time you play, you'll win. And then he was like, he just won anyway, and I was like, well, this isn't teaching you anything. (laughs) No lessons learned today. <laughs> too good. Too good a player to learn a lesson. Um, but yeah, so that's my physical game. And then my video game is, I teased this to you in a text message this morning, is a game that you introduced to me. And I'm sure you can guess what it is because I've talked to you about it now. Uh, I'm confused. So there's a video game or, you know, a game that is on a computer. Yeah. That you introduced to me that I've definitely shown you Elliot playing. Um, okay. Well, on what on what device? On his tablet. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I'm sure you have shown me that. I, I remember I remember one time, I don't think this is what you're referring to. I remember one time recommending the game Old Man's Journey as something that oh, you and yeah. Elliot might like together. No, that's not it, though. And I, I assume it's not Pokemon Go. No, though he has been being like, he has recently been like, can I see the Pokemon you're catching? Mm-hmm. That's also how I learned that when he was saying Zagziggery, have I talked to you about this? Mm, I don't think so. For a long time, he kept saying, and then there's Zagziggery. And we were, we had no idea what he was talking about. Mm-hmm. And finally, he had his little Pikachu toy. And he was like, and Pikachu has Zagziggery come out of his tail. And I was like, electricity. Mm. <laughs> but it was literally two months of him saying Zagziggery where we were like, what the fuck are you saying? We thought it was something he had like made up. You know? Yeah, yeah. Zagziggery is like a good word though. It is, yeah. That's that's um, um, Carol-esque. Lewis Carroll? Oh, yes. Not... <laughs> The 2015 movie Carol starring Kate Blanchett. No. <laughs> um, Monument Valley. Or maybe Road Doll ask. Yeah, I haven't thought of uh, Monument Valley in a while. But yes, yeah. Now, I, of course, I remember. Yeah. So Monument Valley. I mean, you played Monument Valley and enjoyed it, right? Yeah, I, I, won and, I played one and two. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a game that was free for us to download on his tablet for whatever reason. Yep. And when we first started playing it, um, probably two-ish years ago, two and a half years ago, Elliot definitely could not solve the puzzles. Um, But he, because it's not something where you have to use a controller, because I don't know, I feel bad about this. Not really bad, because this is not really a skill. But I do not totally know how to teach Elliot to use a controller for video games, because he's very bad at it right now. Like, the actual coordination you need to be able to press all those buttons is so natural to us and i feel like it was natural to me when i first started learning though clearly that's not true you know what i mean yeah but elliot is not good at it and so even though we've sort of tried consistently since he was like two um and but he's very good at touching things on a tablet and so even though he couldn't solve the puzzles we could play it together because um, even when he was really little and didn't have like much language, you know, there are those crows that are sort of like scary, but not scary enough to actually scare a child mm-hmm. but for the most part. I don't want to speak for all children. Um, 
And when we got to, a, I would say, Elliot hit the square. And again, as soon as he knew shapes, if we were near the end, he could hit the square and he felt really accomplished that Ida took off her little hat and had the shape come out. Um, and also because he saw me solving the puzzles, recently he's been playing it of his own volition. He picked it to play mm. and he's been getting through the levels all by himself as of like six months ago. Nice. Where like, there was a while where he would get stuck like once a level and then there was a couple of times where I he'd gotten to through like two or three levels at a time. Wow. Um, and I think I told you this, um, but there's that yellow block friend that mm -hmm. you have. Yeah. And he like ends up going into the ocean because mm -hmm. he can't follow you because he's a block. So he sinks. Right. And Elliot, the first time we encountered that yellow block friend, wept. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but here's my point. Elliot is engaging with this game. He's forming connections with the characters, even though there's like basically no text. There's there's some text in that game, but it's so minimal. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it was something that we could both genuinely enjoy and that he could engage in and that we could talk about together. And he asked about that yellow block for like a month. He was like, the yellow, yellow block, go away. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes, I do remember this. So there's my video game. Good one. Um, do you want to talk about music or books next? Let's do music. Okay. So probably right before the pandemic, I think this is when we were introduced to this guy. Um, we had gone to a friend of the pod, Mike Coakley's Christmas party in December of 2019. And that was in New Jersey. And when we were driving back, Kenny's car started making a loud clunking noise. And for some reason, we kept driving because we're like idiots. And then it was making a very loud clunking noise. And I was afraid we were going to die. I was driving. So I said to Kenny, call Kathy, our friends Kathy and Anthony, who have two children. And we are going to their house because our car, I cannot drive this car and have it break and have it kill us. And I was correct. Um, Kenny had just gotten a new, um, new tires and one of the tires, the mechanic had not properly screwed the bolts in. He had left them too loose. And so four out of five of the bolts had broken. And if one more had broken, the wheel would have come off. Mm -hmm. Not cool. Not ideal. Um, so we ended up staying overnight at our friend's house. And like I said, they have two kids. And... Um, they, Kathy was playing music and it was like a real like catchy tune. I was sort of bopping to it. I was like, what is this? And she was like, oh, this is Casper Baby Pants. Do you know Casper Baby Pants? Mm -hmm. And I was like, no. <laughs> um, have you ever heard of Casper Baby Pants? Can't say that I have. So I just want to say, um, I think Casper Baby Pants is actually kind of a terrible name. <laughs> mm. Um, but it is um, the man from who um, from let me make sure I actually get this right. I'm pulling up the Wikipedia. Oh, it's also it's like Caspar Baby Pants. It's Chris Ballou. I don't know how to say that. Who's the lead singer of the band The Presidents of the United States of mm. America. Heard of them. And so since like 2009, um, he's released um, a bunch of albums um, of kids songs. Um, but he's like, 
I don't want to say like a real musical artist, but he has a lot of sensibilities where he's like the songs that he's making are like making are like real bops. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're just like about like animals or whatever the hell. Sure. <laughs> um, so I'm going to play you a song of my favorite song, the song that started it all, um, which is Stompy the Bear. Also, a lot of his music videos have um, stop frame animation, which is like um, very delightful. So what is it? Free? What What do we say? Hashtag um, free use. Uh, no, hashtag free- you said free. You put that in my head. Fair use. Hashtag fair use. Some say he is brown and he will shake this town if he ever comes this way again. Some say he is green and really, really mean, but he just wants someone to boogie with. Go! Here comes Stompy the Bear. So that's Stompy the Bear. Mm-hmm. He has another song called um, Mr. Rabbit. That Elliot is, I think, the reason Elliot refers to the Easter Bunny exclusively as Mr. Rabbit. Mm. Um, he has a really great song called um, Googly Eyes. Here, we'll play some of Googly Eyes. Oh, googly eyes, you make stuff come alive. So don't cry those teardrops. Alone or in pairs, you belong everywhere. So cheer up and smile, smile, smile. Oh, googly eyes, don't look so surprised. I will put you on stuff. Put you on a small rock. Now the small rock can talk. But what does it say, say, say? Put you on a tree stump. Now the tree stump can... That, that's... Uh, googly eyes and there's also one called my flea has dogs Mm. um but these songs like i said are songs that kenny and i would get these songs stuck in our heads we would sometimes listen to them when elliot was not around oh boy they also were songs that elliot could like i don't know exactly how to explain this but like elliot is like a really like tonally proficient child like he's always he's always um latched on to the tone of things over the actual language first so like he could sing songs with the notes before he knew the words to them like including the alphabet um he when he communicated with us i've had a couple of people comment like like people with children be like i just love his little voice and what they mean is that a lot of kids his age or that were his age at the time would speak sort of in what I would call, like, dead baby voice, where it was, like, everything was super monotone. So, like, I knew kids who... I would hear kids talk sometimes, and they would be able to speak these perfect sentences, but they'd be entirely monotone. And then Elliot would not be able to speak that way, but he was so expressive just with the tone of his voice that he'd still get the point across. Yeah. Um, Neither of these is better than the other, I just want to say. Kids all develop these things at different rates, and they basically... um, pick what they favor and then that's the thing that they're good at if that makes sense sure and um, it, that's it, not oh, go ahead and it's a complete mystery to me where he could have gotten this from <laughs> how he could have picked this up in the first place <laughs> nobody's ever said that before i i i'm taking that as a compliment <laughs> it's both of you really i mean it's yeah. you first and foremost but 
I've heard the way Kenny talks to Elliot as well. <laughs> yeah, did I tell you the other day that I was trying to like make it clear that when he was leaving his daycare that he would to go to preschool, he would not be going back and he asked why I was mad at him? Mm-mm. I was like, Elliot, I was driving him to daycare. This is related to what you're saying. And I was like, Elliot, now I just want you to know that after this Friday, when you go to preschool, you're not going to see LaDon anymore. And he was like, why are you mad at me? Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm not mad at you. And he was like, then why are you saying it like that? And I realized, because I don't yell at Elliot unless he's like near a knife, which is to say, I have have yelled at Elliot, but I don't yell at him unless there's like danger. Right. Which occasionally there is danger. It happens. Um, But apparently when I'm mad at him, I get Mm -hmm. very like, Elliot. No, Elliot. I'm explaining this to you. Right. (laughs) And I was like, well, how do you want me to say it? He was like, just say, Elliot, um, we're not seeing LaDon after Friday. And I was like, okay. So I just said, hey, Elliot, you're not going to see LaDon after Friday. He was like, and that's when he said to me, I'm going to miss LaDon. But I'm still excited to go to preschool. But anyway, my point being, yeah, he's 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 very aware of this. But Casper Baby Pants was one of the first musicians where he actually could hear the words. Mm-hmm. By which I mean he could like comprehend, like his little brain was able to sort of like hear the words, understand them. Um, Stompy the Bear, I I I brought up specifically because he would um, walk around and saying like. Saying, saying, here comes Stompy the bear. And then he wouldn't be able to get the full line of the verse, but he would say, like, ba 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 green. Like, he'd be able to get the end words. And that was like, the first words. time he could do that. Yeah. Really, you know hit, I mean? really hit the D in end words. Yes, end words. Mm-hmm. What did I th- Wait. You did didn't say, say anything wrong. I'm just, I'm just saying it could easily be mistaken. Oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> end End the words at the end of each line. There you go. Whoo. <laughs> um, and you know, there have been other, which is to say too, there have been other like kids musicians. Um, there was this one dude that used to come to Southside, my elementary school. Um, and then you, he would like sell cassettes or whatever. You know, there have been children's musicians. And this is the guy that is the least annoying. Mm-hmm. This is the guy with the most bops. But this is also the guy that Elliot, like, was able to really, like, see eye to eye with. Yeah. I have, have, are you going to move on from music? Or were you about yes, to Yes, but do you that? can keep talking about it. Okay, so I had two uh, uh, musicians in mind uh, that have sort of been uh, on the periphery of my awareness. And I've thought, well... I have no reason to listen to children's music and I have no particular desire to, but if I had a reason or I had the desire, these are the first two sources that I would go to. Mm-hmm. And one is more recent, which is that I, I'm aware that Ninja Brian has been doing some children's yes. music. Have you de- have you checked that out at all? I have listened to his music. So I have a very, this is also something that I think is worth mentioning in terms of my aesthetic. So I also want to say like, this stuff isn't going to be for everyone. I think I have a higher tolerance for children's media than some other people do. But there is one thing that I don't like, and I don't like bathroom humor. Oh, okay. I hate it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even like talking about it. Like, mm-hmm. when Elliot was a baby, Kenny's parents would, like, 
sort of have long conversations about his bowel movements. And I was like, unless we are talking about this in a functional fashion, like, I don't want to joke about this. I don't want to talk about it. It's not a point of discussion. Like, I don't want to do this. Um, And so, yes, Ninja Brian stuff is good. um, But he does have more of that bathroom humor in there because he's sort of writing it for his daughter who's a little bit older than Elliot. And I'm trying to avoid... This is another thing that I'm like, if I can just avoid Elliot being like very into this, <laughs> I'll be, I'll be like happy. Yeah. Plus at Elliot's current age, you are probably not eager to give him an easy gateway to the, the music of NSP. <laughs> um, yes. But um, maybe more importantly, in, in my mind, there's a longer uh, history of this. One of my favorite bands has written a lot of children's music, mm-hmm. which is They Might Be Giants. Yes, you're totally right. And I don't think I've ever listened to them. But I, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Maybe check it out. I bet there's some good stuff that you all might enjoy as a family. Yeah, that's a good idea. I bet it's probably oh. not very far from Stompy the Bear, etc. The other thing I will say, which... I don't want to say it's a problem, but it is something that we have sort of encouraged, which is that we do like sort of play a lot of music for Elliot, regardless of his age. But we understand that, like, there's going to be children's music he's going to be more interested in. So Elliot's favorite song right now, have I told you this? Uh, I don't recall. It's um, Montero, Call Me By Your Name by Lil Nas X. Oh, yeah. He loves that song. Cool. Now. This is me being a parent. I have not let him watch the music video, of course. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but though I'm sure he would love it because there's a lot of tummies. Um, but yeah, that and Industry Baby are like his two favorite songs. And he loves Dua Lipa now, too. Um, but, you know, and I'm also not the kind of person that's going to, for the most part, that's going to be like, you can't listen. That's for adults or whatever. Because I'm just like, it's music. Who cares, really? Like, I'm not going to play him um, that um, fuck the pain away by peaches. <laughs> like I'm not gonna play him that mm-hmm. yet. But if he's like 13, whatever, you know. Sure. Um, but I do know that there's music that he specifically will will be able to hear, actually hear, mm-hmm. and that is that is where I think children's music comes in. Yeah, and we'll we'll play um we'll play him some. They might be giants children's music. Yeah. And by the way, you know I think. Suffice it to say, there's a reason why They Might Be Giants has found a lot of success in the children's music arena. A lot of their music that is ostensibly for adults um, would probably entertain children very well. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I mean, I think that They Might Be Giants, too, is kind of in the same genre. I mean, or is the same genre as like the the presidents of the United States of America. So it makes sense that... Mm -hmm. They're both able to do a sort of like yeah. easy one to one shift over, mm-hmm. especially if it's just like I'm playing guitar and there's like some drums, right? <laughs> As she- opposed to like highly produced like um, like techno pop or whatever. I'm making that up, but you get my point. TMBG has has dabbled in all sorts of things, and mm-hmm. you know, there's uh, probably a lot of keyboard and um, probably. Not an mm. absence of accordion. Oh, yes. Shows up. And in... children love accordion. Sure. Because it's so weird. Weird Al. Yeah. And you know who loves Weird Al? Me? <laughs> yeah, yes. And Kenny Lakes. Sure. What's not to love? 
Kenny got to see them for his 10th birthday. See him for the and his band for his 10th birthday. Wow. Have I told you this? No, I don't think I knew that. That's great. On his birthday or like thereabouts, mm-hmm. he was playing in Scranton. Yeah. Or thereabouts. Yeah. And um, they were driving. They were like, okay, Kenny, we're taking you for, to your birthday present. And he was like, okay. <laughs> and they were he was like driving. They were driving. And they were like, do you know where we're taking you? And he was like, no. Why would I know where you're taking me? And they're like, we're taking you to see Weird Al. And he was like, what? <laughs> um, but they had been really worried that he had figured it out because there had been all of these billboards mm-hmm. and ads that yeah. he was coming because it was, you know, right. 1998. Yeah. Um, and do you know that he met Weird Al at a con? I mean, not like met him like he was friends, but like met him at a con. I think so. That sounds awfully familiar. So he got a picture of him at... Um, it's called Awesome Con and it's in DC. And this yeah. was, again, also right before the pandemic. So this was, well, not right before the pandemic, but it was the year before the pandemic. So like May of 2019. I feel like I must have seen that picture. Yeah. So there's, um, Kenny got to, um, Kenny got a picture with him when I was not there. And then the next day, next day he had him sign it, mm-hmm. um, which I got to see him too. Very cool. And Kenny told him that he wrote a paper about him, about how he was his hero when he was 10. Oh, that's great. But yeah, Weird Al is like also it's like the same thing. It's like fun. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to talk about books now. Mm-hmm. The first book I'm going to talk about is, and the you'll see why I have a couple of different books that I'm going to talk about. So the first book I'm going to talk about are books that don't have words for the most part. Mm-hmm. So the first book I don't have with me because we don't actually own these books, but we regularly check them out from the library. Sure. And they're called Momoko. There's like, well, there's there's a series of them. And so they all have like Momoko in the words different, in the name differently. Okay. Which is M-A-M-O-K-O. And the first one is called like the world of Momoko. Mm. And so I'll, um, I actually have this up so I can share my screen with you. As soon as I do this there, now you can oh, yes, share your there screen. There we go. <laughs> um, so Momoko is, has some text um, it's sort of like Where's Waldo in the sense that there are like really detailed drawings. Mm. Um, but the first, so what I'm going to show you is not what I'm about to describe, but you can sort of take it in. Um, the first page, which is actually the front cover page and then the first page after that, have all of the different characters that you, or the, all of the different main characters. Mm-hmm. And, um... It will give a little description about, like, what's going on in their day, basically. Yeah. And this is from the world of Momoko, which is the original. And so then each page has a two-page spread with this, like, really detailed drawing um, of all these animals doing certain tasks or, you know, living their life or encountering mischief. And you can track each of these characters on each page and then each of them has their own story. But except for on this first page, there's no words. And Elliot loves looking at these books because, again, he can't read mm-hmm. <laughs> yet. And when we first got these books, we would um, – there were a couple of things we would do with him. The first is um, we would show him, like, like, do you see this little robber cat that's up here? Yeah. We would show him, like, this robber cat on the first page. And then we would track each character through each page. And we'd say, what is he doing? And, you know, with his limited language, he'd say whatever. I, ha- I know, too, that one of these books has an octopus in it. And that was when we learned that Elliot knew the word octopus mm-hmm. um, because he'd be like, ah, ah, poos, ah, ah, poos. Mm. And he'd find it on each page. And these books are really f- good and fun because like 
they're really detailed, right? Yeah. So you're not going to sit. So as your kid is sitting there searching the page, you're not necessarily going to get bored looking at them. And it's also going to be a while until you have the pages like completely memorized. Mm-hmm. Like you're going to notice things for a long time. Yeah. But they're also good because it's a way that you can encourage a kid to tell a story um, without the pressure of the story already having explicit words tied to it. Mm-hmm. So sometimes Elliot recently has said to me, I've said, Elliot, will you read this book to me? Because he can tell me stories based on the pictures he sees and sort of basically follow the narrative. And sometimes he gets sort of frustrated because he can't actually read and he knows that there's a specific set of words that go to each page. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, he'll say, but I don't know the words to this. And but, but, by which he means, and he'll say, and I can't read yet, by which he means he doesn't have them memorized. So like a sort of classic children's book is Brown Bear, Brown Bear. Do you know that book? Mm-hmm. Um, that book he has completely memorized. And that's the point of it, right? The point is that it's repetition and that you can um, anticipate the next page. And mm-hmm. as long as you can see the picture, you you can say what it is that the creature sees. Right. So this is a really great book because, and there's, like I said, I think there's three of them. There's like a Momoko 3000 where it's like in the future. And there's another one that I can't remember what the theme is. Um, but they're just like really beautiful to look at. They're like sort of larger format books. It lets both of you sort of have fun with what's happening without the pressures of there actually being text. Yeah. And it's also nice with really little kids. When I say really little, I mean like two or three, because if they don't want to go through it, the book in order, which happens sometimes, they just want to flip through or whatever. Mm -hmm. You don't have to go through these books in order if you don't want to. Yeah. The second book uh, time to bring in Devotee of the Pod, Sarah. Mm. Sarah has actually gotten us a couple of books, and all of them have been quality. Not that she would be bad at getting us books, because um, we are all writers and we have an understanding of what books are good. <laughs> sure. She got us another book called, Pu- I think it's called Push the Dot. And I didn't bring this one up here, but it's called Push the Dot and... There's this yellow dot, and the idea is that you press the dot, and then when you turn the page, something has happened. Mm-hmm. And um, it really blows kids' minds because yeah. they're, like, interacting with this text or whatever. Sure. But that's not the one I brought up. I brought up this one. It's called Love the Tiger. Mm-hmm. And there's another um, – she got us two of these, and there's another one that's, like, Love the Fox, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and these books are cool because they also don't have any text – um, but they're like comic yeah, style. Right. They have really beautiful illustrations. They are kind of violent mm-hmm. in like a really like mild animal way. Like um, the fox one, the fox doesn't have one of his eyes. Mm. Um, and he has like a scar. And so these are great because this is one of those books too that initially Elliot and I would look at it and I would sort of explain what was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I would be able to ask him things like, Elliot, like, how does that tiger feel? And he'd be like, angry. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and now he is telling me what he thinks is happening. And so it's a way that you can model that. But these illustrations in both of these books are just like, I'm trying to find like a particularly like gorgeous one to show you. Um, are just really beautiful. Like here's like these two snakes watching this tiger. Um, drink at a waterfall so yeah it's like one of the this is this is one of those books too that it's like this is a kid's book but like an adult 
who really likes comics would maybe just look at it. Yeah. It is very important for children to read books that rhyme because it teaches them a lot about sounds and it teaches them about reading because if kids can learn that words that sound the same are often spelled similarly to one another, this is how they start learning to spell. Mm-hmm. As a poet, people are bad at rhyme schemes <laughs> and mm-hmm. at meter. And so finding a book that has good meter, be, and I just want to say, granted, Kenny's not a poet, and granted, he's married to a poet. Kenny, there are so many books that Kenny and I will both fix the fucking meter in them. Mm-hmm. Because the meter is so bad, and it's so easy to fix it. It's, like, so obvious to fix the meter. Like, that we just add in extra words. <laughs> yeah. Or we take words out that don't need to be there. Mm-hmm. This book was given to me by my boss at the time, Lex. Um... And it is a book that I have mostly memorized and it's beloved and it teaches kids rhyming and it's the best of this genre, which is essential. It's called Little Blue Truck. Okay. Little Blue Truck's about a little blue truck and he's helping out his friends. I'm just, I'm not even going to open it. Horn went beep, engine purred, friendliest sounds you ever heard. Little Blue Truck went down the road. Beep said blue to the big green toad. Uh, Toad said croak and winked an eye when Little Blue Truck came rolling by. (laughs) This book, besides being so, it's like very pleasant to have memorized, um, has saved our lives from, with Elliot sometimes. This was one of the very first books that he had a reaction to. There's a part later on, like this book, I don't know if you can tell, like, do you see how I have this book taped together? Yes. And I, can't, I have bought replacement books for some of Elliot's books. Um, but this this is the original. This is the one Lex got me. I think we do have a replacement for this one, though. I don't know why this is the one I grabbed. Um, so he has all these, um, these animal friends. And then it says, honk, yelled the dump trunk coming through. I've big important things to do. I haven't got time to pass the day with every duck along the way. This honk was one of the first things that Elliot was able to do, like, was able to remember where it was. And so when we would get to this page, he would, like, honk for us. Mm-hmm. And the other thing, so then the big yellow dump truck uh, goes too fast and gets stuck in the mud. Um, And because he was so mean to the animals, they ignore him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which, by the way, this is another thing. When I say, like, that parents will appreciate this, there's this, like, really, like, this real, like, kind of mean line in this. Honk, cried the dump, and he sounded scared, but nobody heard, or nobody cared. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the animals, like, it's like, they're just, like, completely ignoring this truck. Yeah. And then this is the other part. Then, into the mud, bump, 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 came little blue truck to help the dump. And when I would read this to Elliot, he would usually be sitting on my lap, so I would go, like, bump, 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 and, like, pop up my thigh so that he was bumping. And that was, again, part of the thing that he um, would have memorized. And so he um, now can pretty much tell us this whole book. Mm -hmm. But also, when he was really, really little and we had this memorized, there were times that we would be in the car driving, like if we were going to my parents' house or to Kenny's parents' house, and Elliot would start crying and we would just literally start reciting this book and he, it would calm him down. Mm-hmm. 
if you can have something like that in your pocket, it is magic. <laughs> yeah, clearly. It is essential. Okay, so this last book is, or book series, is one that is in my head all of the time. And it feels so similar to a very specific writer friends of ours. It feels like a Joe Scapolato Joe story. Mm. And it's called the Hat Trick series, and it's three it's three books. And actually, let me find the f- name of the first one, because we don't actually own the first one. Um, oh, it's called the Hat Box. No, he calls it the Hat Trick sometimes. The first one is called This Is Not My Hat. The second one is called I Want My Hat Back. And the third one, which came out in the year of Elliot's birth, is called We Found a Hat. I... It's, like, so hard to describe these books because I'm just going to read you part of this one. In the first book, there's a little fish who has stolen a hat from a very big fish. And the whole book, he's talking about how he stole this hat, but how the big fish will never know that it's him. And it ends with the big fish eating the little fish. Mm-hmm. In I Want My Hat Back, there's this bear. And I'll read this some of you because the tone of this is like, every it's very deadpan. So there's a bear. Mm-hmm. And he says, my hat is gone. I want it back. This bear is now talking to a fox. And he says, have you seen my hat? No, I haven't seen your hat. Okay, thank you anyway. So he goes and he talks to a frog. He then talks to this rabbit. Have you seen my hat? No. Why are you asking me? I haven't seen it. I haven't seen hats anywhere. I would not steal a hat. Don't ask me any more questions. Okay, thank you anyway. What is this rabbit wearing? A hat. (laughs) So he then asks a turtle, Oh, have you seen my hat? I haven't seen anything all day. I have been trying to climb this rock. Would you like me to lift you on top of it? Yes, please. He talks to a snake. Oh, the snake says that he's seen a hat that was blue and round once, and that is a an Easter egg to the first book. Mm-hmm. He talks to an armadillo who says, what is a hat? Then he's, how does he, how, what is the bear doing in this in this illustration? Lying on its back. How, how do you think it feels, Will? Sad? Yeah, he's real sad. Nobody has seen my hat. What if I never see it again? What if nobody ever finds it? My poor hat. I miss it so much. And then he talks to a deer, and the deer asks what the hat looks like, and so he starts explaining it. I have (laughs) seen my hat. And could you describe the illustration? The bear is... Sitting straight up. Its eyes are... I don't know how much that expression changes from illustration to illustration, but certainly with the context, it looks as if, you know, an epiphany has has struck the bear. And what's the color? Uh, On a red background. The whole page is... And and the I don't know how much you can see this, but like the whole page is sort of washed in red, yeah. which is very violent. Mm-hmm. 
So then you see a page with no text where the bear is running past all of the people he just talked to, including the turtle, which is sitting on top of the rock. Yep. You. And the bear points at the rabbit and says, you, you stole my hat. Mm-hmm. Could you describe this illustration? The uh, the bear and the rabbit are, are looking at, at one another. With, in like a standoff, I would say, right? With tension in their eyes. Yeah. And then, I love my hat. Mm-hmm. The bear is sitting on some sticks, it seems, and is wearing his hat. And then this is how the book ends. This squirrel shows up and says, excuse me, have you seen a rabbit wearing a hat? And the bear says, no. Why are you asking me? I haven't seen him. I haven't seen any rabbits anywhere. I would not eat a rabbit. Don't ask me any more questions. (laughs) Okay, thank you anyway. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think there might be one more page, but I think that's how the book... Yeah, that's how it ends. It ends with him just sitting there with his hat on. I think this book is so funny. Mm-hmm. It has a good... It has the, the marks of a children's book, right? In the sense that it has a set of... It has repetition. It does takes on the repetition. So the child can, you know, once a pattern is established and then the pattern changes, the child can recognize that and that's what is what makes it entertaining. And it teaches like the genre and the conventions of that, right? Mm-hmm. But the fact that he eats this rabbit at the end of this book and that there's that page that says, I, I have seen my hat. Mm-hmm. And then, and do you see why the tone of this reminds me of like Joe's writing? I think so. I, I, I would like to interject that I am yes. reminded of something else. Mm-hmm. A book I have not thought of in a while. Yeah. That I enjoyed as a child. Probably older than Elliot is now, but perhaps not very much older. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if you are familiar with this book. And if you aren't and you don't have it, then I guess I know what I'm going to buy for for you and Elliot, since apparently... <laughs> Your friends buy uh, buy you children's books. (laughs) I'm referring, of course, to the Stinky Cheese Man. I have this. I don't. I don't have the Stinky Cheese Man, but I did read this as a kid. Yes, you you know it, but you but you don't have it in your collection. I checked it out from the library a lot. Not for Elliot, but you're saying for me. Yeah. Yeah, and if I'm remembering correctly, it has a table of contents, and the last story on the table of contents isn't actually in the book. It's like a joke title, and as I'm sure you can imagine, this drove me nuts as a child. Well, that's that's what was so lovable about the book, Mm -hmm. was that a lot of the humor uh, is uh, breaking the fourth wall uh, kind of humor, playing with the, the conventions of the medium- and uh, I th- like I think that I don't exactly remember the details, but I think that maybe like the last story continues on the back cover or something like yes, that. Yes, that sounds correct to me. And yeah. it's someone insisting that the story isn't over. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, uh, clearly Elliot needs that in his life. He will love that. One book. day soon. Yeah. <laughs> I um. 
yeah, I remember, I very distinctly remember, like, gleefully saying, like, you can't catch me, I'm the stinky cheese man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. God, I also had not forgot thought about that book in a long time. Um, yeah, and I think also, too, it's worth mentioning that, like, some of these books that are so fun, something that's great about having kids and about some of these books is, and, and it's especially something that you and I think about a lot because we're thinking about form. Mm-hmm. Right. Is like some of these books are the first time that these kids see form and then see form break. So like the Stinky Cheese Man's a great example of that. And another book that I didn't include because it's in the Sesame Street realm, but honestly, even in the Sesame Street realm, it's pretty special. Um, is the monster at the end of this book. Mm-hmm. Do you know that book? Yeah, I've heard of that. So the monster at the end of this book, if you haven't, is Grover, um, who's my favorite. And, well, Big Bird was my favorite as a kid, but Grover's my favorite now. And um, it starts by Grover walking across the pa- front page and saying, this page is boring. Let's see what's on the next page. Because the, fr- the page is like the ISBN mm-hmm. number. Yeah. And then the next page is, wait, what did that say? On the front cover, what did that say? Did that say that there's a monster at the end of this book? Mm-hmm. Oh, I am so afraid of monsters. And then you turn the page and then it says, I forget exactly. Clearly I've read this book because I had just did it in a voice. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> it says like, um, listen, there's a monster at the end of this book and I am afraid of monsters. So please do not turn the page. And then you turn the page and Grover's like, you turn the page. You do not know what you are doing to me. And then you turn the page and he's, built like a brick wall and he's like tied it shut with ropes and as you keep going um the pages like the illustrations of on along the edges of the pages get more rumpled Mm -hmm. as if like the pages are breaking because he keeps trying to put up these barriers um there's this page after the wall where he's in a pile of bricks and there's this little speech bubble that just says did you know that you are very strong and then of course who's the monster at the end of the book grover Grover (laughs) and he's like the monster at the end of the book is me lovable old Grover uh and you were so scared I told you and told you and then the very last page is Grover very quietly to himself going oh I'm so embarrassed (laughs) Mm -hmm. and there's a really great essay about how um that book was like the first book that sort of like helped this writer and I think a lot of writers realize like the codex as a form Mm -hmm. And also, like, your agency as, like, somebody interacting with a text. Because, like, to push the text forward, you have to, you you can't just stop. You know what I mean? Right. You have to disregard what Grover is asking you to do. Mm-hmm. And we're going to talk a little bit about this um, with the next thing we talk about. I do want to mention We Found a Hat, the third in the Hat Trick series by John Clausen. Sure. These books reminded me of Joe before that, but especially because Joe's um, book of short stories um, Big Lonesome was had a lot of cowboy stories. Mm-hmm. These two turtles are it's it's first off this book, which is you know I don't even know if it has page numbers. It doesn't. You know it's maybe it's not long. There's not much text. Part one, mm. <laughs> finding the hat, and it's a like a tall. It's like a ten gallon hat. Yep. So these turtles find this hat. They say we found it together. But there's only one hat and there's two of them. They both try it on and they think it looks good. 
but they decide um, that they can't both have this hat mm-hmm. because there's only one of it. And so they leave it there. So they climb up on a rock, but lo, one of the two turtles is looking back at that hat. Mm-hmm. And they're in the desert. Of course. Part two, watching the sunset. So they're watching the sunset. Oh, this book also is in the we perspective. We are watching the sunset. We are watching it together. What are you thinking about? I am thinking about the sunset. What are you thinking about? Nothing. The hat. But the turtle is looking at the hat. Mm -hmm. Part three, going to sleep. And so they decide to go to sleep and they're going to sleep on that rock. And the one turtle is almost falling asleep. And the turtle that really wants that hat starts to go after it. And he says, are you all the way asleep? And the other turtle says, I am all the way asleep. This is, this is like a very Joe. This particularly is a very Joe line. I am all the way asleep. I am dreaming a dream. What are you dreaming about? I will tell you what I am dreaming about. I'm dreaming that I have a hat. It looks very good on me. You are also there. You also have a hat. It looks really good on you too. And they're both like in space. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we both have hats and the turtle's looking at the hat that he's going to like take for his own. And he goes back up on the rock. And then he goes to sleep. And that's the whole book. Nobody gets eaten in this one. Oh, wow. That's... <laughs> Sign of growing maturity. Yes. And then the last page is them both dreaming that they're in space, flying through space wearing these hats. The place of dreams. The place of dreams. Outer space. Um, but yeah, I really love those hat books. They're so funny and like the tone of them is so weird and interesting. Mm-hmm. Charming. There are so many TV shows in the world that we could have talked about. And this one is fairly new in my worldview. But I know that this one is not just special to me. Like, I think this show is so special and so, like, interesting and well done, but it's not just special to me because um, a few months ago, my two editors at my press, Michael Tager and Ian Anderson, tweeted stuff. Like, I think Ian Anderson tweeted, like, Bluey is low-key my favorite show right now. Mm-hmm. And Michael Tager was like, me too. And then we all just started, like, listing our favorite episodes. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk about the Australian hit, Bluey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so Bluey, so I'm sure that you know this, um, but for our listeners, children's TV shows, for the most part, fall into like two categories. And this one sort of falls into a third one in terms of format length. Mm. So you either have like the 24-minute episode. You have the, like, two 12-minute episodes. So, like, a Rugrats or a Doug. A Spongebob. A Spongebob, I guess. I didn't watch much Spongebob, but I'll believe you. You missed out. Oh, that was another show that I, like, could not. Even as a child, I was like, this, I can't. My brain hurts watching this show. That was. I know it's it's beloved, but it was just too, like, um, frantic? It was completely my jam. Yes, when that makes hit. complete sense. When to it me. hit, it hit it hit really hard. Bluey is in a weird category of and I have not actually watched the show air I guess no, I have I have seen it see on I have seen it 
aired on television in this, like, once recently because of having watched the Olympics. We had cable, Hulu cable. Um, But this is a three-episode-per-half-hour block show, Mm. um, which is, like, not super common. I can't think – I'm sure there's another show, but I can't think of one off the top of my head. Um, Presumably it's designed for two internal commercial breaks. Yes. And so Mm -hmm. there's a lot – so, like, just at, like, a very functional um, level – this is like a nice amount of time. Sure. Be- because, like, let's say the show was trash. Like, seven minutes, essentially, is like a really good amount of time because you can flex that. So, like, if you're watching it on a streaming service, you can watch four episodes if you need to. You can only watch two. And it, like, fills time really nicely, which is, like, because it's so flexible. Mm-hmm. So that's, like, just, like, a functional note. Bluey is one of the best written television shows I think I've ever encountered. Um, It's all of the, it's animated. It's about these, this healer family Mm -hmm. um, in Australia. There's mom, whose name is Chili. um, Chili. Dad, whose name is Bandit. Bingo, um, the little sister who is four, and Bluey, who is six. And they have um, a pretty extended, I don't know if you saw any of, I don't think I sent you, no, I sent you one of these episodes at least. Um, We get to see a lot of their family. Um, So we get to see mostly Bandit's family. So Bandit's mother, um, so their grandmother, he has a brother who has two kids um, that are cousins that are younger. So they're like, I think, three and one um, that they get to they interact with and hang out with occasionally. Um, they go to school. Um, so they get their there are other kids and adults in the neighborhood. So you see other dog breeds. There's I don't think I sent you any. I, I, I almost sent you just like I almost was like, I'm just going to send you a clip of this one dog because there's like a, a dachshund. That they call just like a little sausage dog and they make jokes about, but he's like, his, his, his character design is hilarious because they have him upright, but he has tiny, tiny little legs Mm -hmm. (laughs) and they make jokes about this all the time where he's like, I can't run. I have sausage dog legs. Mm -hmm. And they also play with the animation. So I I know that I've described this to you. Which is that, you know, I have a very specific animation style that I do and do not like. But Bluey even plays with the animation style sometimes where when they like zoom in on things, Mm -hmm. um, they'll make things like way more detailed or like have this really beautiful sort of like um, color block, um, like shading that makes things look like really um, like like deep and interesting Mm -hmm. besides just the sort of like black line animation yep um which is also to say that while this is the sort of like bright color clean lines animation it's not in the same genre as like steven universe um adventure time or i would even say rick and morty Mm -hmm. there's more like um shading that happens yeah and so each episode um has a little cold open and then 
there's a usually bluey but not always says this episode of bluey is called and then says the name Mm -hmm. over the title card over the title card and then you get the rest of the episode but part of the reason that i love bluey so much and that i think people love bluey so much is because like i said it has some of the best writing they have been able to get these really complete story arcs into this like tiny amount of time. Mm-hmm. So 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 I had you watch some of these episodes. Yes. What was what was your reaction? Did you hate them? Thank you very much for asking. I guess if I had to put my first impression of the show Bluey into my own words uh, extemporaneously just off the top of my head, then I would say uh, this funny and honest look at modern family life celebrates how imaginative play helps shape healthy children. Australian blue healer puppy Bluey has a boundless imagination and loves to turn daily life into playful adventures. She and little sister Bingo throw themselves into exploring their world using gameplay to conquer their fears and try out adult roles. And they like nothing more than pulling their parents, particularly dad, into their fun and games. Mum Chili's gone back to work and Dad Bandit juggles childcare with working from home. But though he might think he's in charge, the girls are definitely calling the shots when it comes to playtime and pretty much everything else. What, where is that from? That's the description of the show on Disney Plus, which is where I watched it. I don't totally love that description. I, but... I knew you wouldn't and that's why I wanted to read it. <laughs> I just thought it was really funny the way that, like, clearly they've taken this show that was made for other reasons and Mm -hmm. spun it to be like, this is the value that it has. Yes. You know? Yes. So uh, I watched this on on Disney Plus. You sent me um, a list of seven episodes. Yeah. And then you said, please actually watch at least the first four. Yes. So the seven you sent me were divided into the four to quote unquote actually watch. Yes. Two, which you called Elliot's favorites. Yeah, just because I thought you might be interested in knowing that information. And one, which you just said was very beautiful and also funny. Yes. So you just you just couldn't help yourself. It was so overwhelmingly. Well, I think that. I have a couple of favorites for a couple. Well, I sent you some of my favorites and I sent you ones that I thought you specifically would like. Yeah. So I specifically thought you would like the movies episode. Sure. The, like I, before I before I even knew I was going to do this episode, I as we were watching the movies episode for the first time, I was like, oh, I wish Will was with me right now. The movies episode is definitely the best of the ones that I thought you I sent. knew that it was going to be your favorite. You, you, you <laughs> handled that very, you tackled that perfectly. Um, then, if you don't mind me saying, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna put a, a positive spin on this because I know that you've been going through a hard time, and Thank I know you. that your emotional state might be currently even more fragile than normal. Yeah. So the so to to put this in a positive light, I I want to say, I forgive you for the email that you wrote me. <laughs> Thanks. In which you said, not only please actually watch. Uh, at least the first four, but you also wrote, I watched all of The Handmaid's Tale so we could talk about it. This is a I measly did. 28 minutes. It is. Um, to which if I were 
feeling uh, petty and vindictive, I would say, you're welcome. (laughs) Watching The Handmaid's Tale is one of the funniest things you can do. Uh, and also, um, I don't recall ever asking you to do that. Well, <laughs> I could, I... I could talk your ear off for hours about the handmade Tale without you ever having seen it. And I think that would, it wouldn't be better, but it would be okay. <laughs> I guess, I guess like, I mean, if we're getting into it and you can cut this out if you want, mm. it really stung when I, when you didn't, when you watched Degrassi at two times. I, see, I don't, I don't understand that because I guess because I just wanted you to take this thing that I was interested in seriously, and you said to me at one point, "Well, I'm not interested in it because it's a teen show," and I was like, "Well, I didn't ask you to watch all 719 episodes. I just wanted you to seriously sit with this material so that we could discuss it." Okay, well, I, I had a different expectation of what was appropriate for that context because I was not thinking that it was a matter serious enough to, as you put it, sit with it. Mm -hmm. I thought, well, I need to, it was like information to be absorbed. Mm. And so I absorbed the information as efficiently as I I could, which was watching it. At the at the double speed, which I was able to do because it was on YouTube. And I, I guess I didn't want you to sit with it like for days. I just wanted you to experience it as it was intended to be experienced, which is what I meant by actually watch. Yeah. And, and that I th- it didn't read that way in your email. But also, I know I had the context of I know you, you, you had it in your head that at, in the past it was not only Degrassi, but also you made an enormous playlist of, of music videos. Well, yeah, which I knew that you weren't going to watch in full at all. all. Them, like I, yeah. I didn't have the expectation of that. But at I all. watched many of them and got through as many as I could by watching them super fast. Yeah, and which so that I that I totally understood, and I was that got, very good. That with. got the idea into my head that like, okay, I can do this with the Degrassi episodes, and basically, I was looking for one thing. I, yes, I I was never a watcher of Degrassi, mm-hmm. but it's but I've been exposed to it before. Okay, and so like on like a vibes level, on like I basically I basically know like what it is like to watch the show, mm-hmm. and so combine that prior experience with you wanted to talk about these specific episodes. So I need to know what they're about. Mm -hmm. I already know what it's like to watch the show normally. Because I basically, you know, I've seen enough to to get the gist that it's this teen soap opera and it's very Canadian and and the, the hallmarks of it that rise to the surface very quickly and easily. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, if I... Bluey was brand new to me. So I didn't really know what to expect. Um, If Degrassi were the same way, I might not have watched it at twice the speed. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. I'm sorry that it hurt your feelings. 
that thank you uh, and i'm sorry i didn't communicate well enough no it's all right um i just resented it a little bit the way that you the way that you framed that uh in the in the email um, i think also you'll see i mean the first email i sent like at a normal time but the other two emails i sent like as i was going to sleep and as i was waking up which was maybe not the best choice but i was like i think literally not wearing my contacts typing them yeah um, and like I also said, and you know this, I have not really been sleeping. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that, that, that hopefully will write itself, uh, very quickly. You have, yes. you have the weekend now to, to catch up. Hopefully. Oh, you're going on a and, trip. And three days at the beach. Hopefully so. a, re- a relaxing sort of, uh, vacation. Yeah. And re- I and actually just saw, a, I saw a tweet from three years ago, the last time we did this, where I said, all of the ants are up jabbing and all of the cousins are asleep. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, so the other thing to consider, I think, is that you and I have different relationships with our pasts and the, the, the media of uh, our, our youths and our adolescence. I, my, my my sort of default state mm-hmm. for like today looking back on like a Degrassi mm-hmm. is like that's of its time mm-hmm. and leaving it in the past makes sense to me and if we're going to talk about it we're in my default state we're probably not going to talk about it in a in like a loving, appreciative sort of a way, but yeah. more in like an analytical sort of a way. Um, whereas you, uh, it seems to me like you probably don't have as much of the embarrassment that I might feel about uh, an attachment to... The stuff that I used to like that for one reason or another isn't very good by my current standards. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. And I mean, I think that's especially true because I was sort of, and I think I've talked about this a little bit, like I was sort of in high school made to feel embarrassed about things I liked at the time. Mm -hmm. So much like how in high school I was really interested in nostalgia, even though I didn't really have much to be nostalgic about because I was young. Um, I also like was sort of made to think, well, if you want to hang with the people that are cool, um, you better not listen to Fallout Boy because um, they're making fun of them a lot. And um, that'll, you know, you want them to take you seriously. And they're all artists. And since they're all visual artists and you're not a visual artist, uh, you have to figure out ways to you can be visible so that they'll take you seriously. And yeah, I mean, even now, I like all of my a lot of my friends that did art in high school, which I had a lot, are still doing art, and a lot of them, like, no, I can think of one of them that bought my book. Mm-hmm. Hi, Dan. Hi, Dan. I'm glad we're pen pals again. Oh, that's nice. So, so uh, perhaps. Side note: Dan made a cruise ship show with his theater company. Okay. That he went to Italy for on a cruise ship in June. To, like, perform the cruise ship show. This past June? 
Yes. That seems it. It was supposed to be last June. Mm. And it got postponed a year. Still seems uh, ill-advised, but uh, what what do I know? <laughs> well, to be fair, the numbers were lowest in June that they've ever been before the pandemic. So, mm, right. Anyway, continue. <laughs> so perhaps now uh, I I should see this as this this is my chance to uh, atone for uh, the sins of the past. Um, and and doesn't that make a nice narrative? And so, with the benefit of hindsight, I'm wearing my hindsight is 2020. Yeah. Uh, t-shirt right now <laughs> uh, with the benefit of hindsight isn't it isn't it better for the narrative that i um fucked up on the degrassi thing um <laughs> i uh i i could tell that this was important to you i watched not just the four uh obligatory episodes but i watched all seven on the list um i i i paid attention i engaged with them i didn't look at my phone um of course, I had to find a way to be a little shit about it, but I. But this time around, I, I think I found a way to do it in in a way that you will like, rather than, okay. rather than be hurt by. So, uh-huh. so the way to watch these is on Disney Plus. Yes. Which I have to thank you. You're you're the reason I have access to it. Mm-hmm. You share that not only with me, but with two other couples who are friends of ours. Yes. Um, and who, as Kim said to me recently, is everyone on your Disney Plus? And I was like, well, everyone you're friends with. Yeah, basically, yeah. Um, kind of a burn almost there. Um, <laughs> so um, I didn't, uh, as much as I wanted to um, do the homework and, and do right by you, I didn't particularly want Bluey in um, my watch history. Um, and so the way I watched this on Disney Plus was... Um, <laughs> I I signed into Kim and Andrew's uh, profile, and then you could have just watched on mine. No, but see, the reason I chose Kim and Andrew out of the three alternatives to oh, our own because she loves dogs so much. No, um, it's revenge. Um, it's it's revenge for an incident uh, several years ago um, when when Kim and Andrew were. Um, unsupervised in my house you <laughs> and and used my used my netflix to uh uh like rate and and, and like uh watch stuff that would just like fuck with my recommendations wait on purpose they yeah, did this? yeah yeah not not like not like because not bless like, kim oh, i could they, see cl- i could see both kim and andrew being like well we didn't know no this was clearly a prank <laughs> Like they were not just like watching whatever they wanted to watch with my Netflix, and then that kind of skewed things for me afterwards. They were like rating different kinds of bullshit, you know, giving it a thumbs up or five stars or whatever the rating whatever system was, was at, the at the time. Yeah. Um. So, uh, yeah, that's why I targeted uh, Kim and Andrew. <laughs> so, um. You were right, uh, obviously, that of these seven episodes, the movies one was my favorite. Um, unfortunately, the very first one that you had me watch was Calypso. Was the worst. You know that was that's Kenny's favorite. So that that set a, a bad tone because mm-hmm. it was my very first impression of the show, and so uh, to watch that one first made me think like, oh. 
I guess this is the kind of kid show where like stuff just happens and it's kind of pleasant. It does. I actually. It has the I, least I put, conventional story structure of the seven episodes. Yeah, and I actually I didn't put them in an order. I mean, I grouped them, but I didn't put them in an order except in um, the order that they appeared. Yeah, if that makes chronological, sense. Chronological. Yeah. That was the actually the episode, and I I absolutely hear what you're saying. But so in Calypso, they're at the preschool. For those of you who aren't listening, and Calypso is the name of the preschool teacher. And um, what's happening is each of the kids are playing in their own little game in like little groups. But as the show, as the episode sort of scrolls between the different um, areas of the playroom, um, the little narratives that each of the store, each of the children dogs have um, build on one another um, until every problem that each little set is experiencing in the game they're playing is resolved right and that was the first so kenny had started watching bluey with elliot and that was the first episode that was like you have to watch this episode like it it is not a conventional narrative structure and it's like you you're watching it and you're sort of at first you're like what's happening and then by the end it's like the whole thing has like been woven together which is part of the reason which is part of what i wanted to bring up um, especially with the movies episode, which is that something that has been so joyous to watch to happen with Elliot, um, watch to watch happen, and which I think that the movies episode specifically addresses, is that kids don't know that things are cliche yet, mm-hmm. and so kids get to learn about things, and then when like conventions are broken you get to see them see the convention be broken for the first time. And so um, I I put bingo on that list, right? Yep. So with bingo, the bingo episode, the 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 way that the, the opening starts is um, they're all dancing. It's it's a 30 second opening, but they're all dancing and they say dad and he stops the, or they say mom and they, she stops dancing and goes off. And then they say dad and he stops dancing and they go off and they say bingo and she stops dancing and they go off. And then it ends with bluey, which is clearly the title of the show. And with the bingo episode, um, when they get to the third person, they say bluey. And then it ends with bingo because this is the bingo episode where we're pretending that the show's named bingo. Clearly this has been done before, but Will, Elliot made me watch that episode so many times just to see the opening. Mm-hmm. Um, but that said, I really like that episode specifically because it does a similar thing to Calypso, but I think in a tighter narrative arc where um it's mostly about bingo but you have these characters that each have their own trajectories and by the end of the seven minutes they're able to like resolve them in a way that's really satisfying where they all helped each other yes or you know largely helped each other yeah and that one i also specifically put on the list because they have that shot where um bingo there's a shot where bingo's had a snack earlier and she had some blueberries and there's a shot of her looking at her blueberry plate because the blueberry's moving. And it's like a real zoom in on yeah. the blueberry. Right. And that's one of the times that the um, animation changes. Yes. Yeah. That was the one time in the seven episodes that I watched that, yeah, it really looked different for a moment. And that was uh, definitely eye-catching. 
Um, the sort of story thing that you're talking about, about the disparate things and they converge, what I would compare, like my reference point is like, okay, there's like an episode of The Simpsons and an episode of, the Fu- of Futurama that I can think of that like are the model in mind in my mind for like that type of story where it's like everybody's sort of off doing their own thing and they each have their own mini story mm-hmm. and then at the end they all complement each other in this very neat way and in the in Futurama I remember I, I, have you watched Futurama much yeah I it's, have I've watched like a bit I've I've watched like I've watched Futurama I've watched yeah. it but I haven't watched like all of it by any standard and I definitely haven't watched it in order ever right I it's been a while since I've watched it and so all I can remember is that it's the episode where Fry drinks too much coffee for some reason <laughs> like that's his story that it's uh-huh. like counting the number of cups of coffee that he drinks and then once he reaches like 100 or something then it's like he can move like the flash um <laughs> And that's when all the stories sort of converge. Yeah. Um, Which leads me to a statement that I wanted to make involving a different adult animated series. Oh, yeah. And this is the thing that I'm going to say that you're probably going to like the least. Uh Which is that once I saw like the family unit together and I processed a thought about like what the show looks like, mostly Mm -hmm. on a character design level. Mm-hmm. I had the thought like, this basically looks like it could be a spinoff of Family Guy. Oh, that's so interesting. That's like the, just the sh- like the shape of the characters. And, yeah, because like, the they all they- are very like specifically rectangular. Yeah, I mean the other dogs aren't as much, but the healers are for sure. There's something the about their proportions and the outlines and the facial features that made me think like, oh, this is like basically born out of like the family guy style. That's so funny. I haven't watched too much family guy. Um, just in like, I can't even say I've watched a full episode of family guy at any point. Mm -hmm. Um, though clearly I have, you know, a sense of it. Mm -hmm. Um, but like also, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Like maybe the people in Australia who were animators or whatever, or showrunners, were like, Yeah, I love Family Guy and that and and honestly, if that's the case, I love that. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that these if that's the case, you know, wherever they're getting their influences from, I love when people can take something that they truly like love and admire and have that be like make a shape. In this case, maybe literally of the thing that they end up making that is then beloved in its own right. Right. Um. But that is super interesting. You brought up the um, Australianness of it again. Yes. <laughs> to which I just wanted to add um, one of the, another episode you had me watch, which we haven't mentioned, is is Double Babysitter. Yes. And do you, did you, this is, there's another, did you, did you? <laughs> yeah, I, I clocked immediately like, okay, everyone's Australian. Maybe in Australia, lots of people sound like Claudia O'Doherty. Uh, but no, sure enough, it was the the one and only Claudia O'Doherty who played the, the female babysitter. Uh-huh. Risky. So, yeah, uh, I, yeah I, I appreciate that. And I know her from Love. 
Yep. And I, I also know her from that, but also prior to that, from the uh, Comedy Bang Bang podcast, in oh, which okay. she made frequent appearances as a character named Claudia O'Doherty, <laughs> <laughs> a, uh, a, a young woman who always uh, was on the podcast because she won a contest <laughs> to come from Australia to Los Angeles to be on Comedy Bang Bang. Oh, and, that makes me so happy. And the contest was always, uh, she always learned about it uh, from her mother, <laughs> who uh, was uh, just getting her out of the house. I um, I loved her in love. And, She's great. And I liked something that I, so I liked that episode because I feel like that episode is an episode that leans a little bit more on the adult humor than the other ones. Yep. Which is part of the reason why I had you watch it. Mm-hmm. So in that episode... Um, for those of you listening, um, Bandit and Chili are going out, um, on a date or like overnight someplace. And so Bandit's hypothetically younger brother, Rad, is coming over to babysit, but then their godmother, or they keep calling her like fairy godmother, who's their friend, who's, um, uh, Chili's friend, Frisky comes over and she's like, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't get your message. And the kids are like, can we just have two babysitters? Right. And so, you know, both of these people are clearly about the same age. And it's clear that they they look, they have a, they have a shot where they both sort of see each other early on. Right. But I particularly liked that she played that character because um, it's sort of similar to the character she plays in love. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Right. Except, like, on a children's show scale. Yeah. <laughs> I see the connection, yeah. And, yeah, and I love that episode for how there's a, there's a, there is a scene in it where they're, like, basically they're a little bit nervous about being put to bed because they don't know their babysitters that well, even though one of them is their uncle and one of them is somebody they consider to be their godmother. And so um, – She's like, well, why don't we play 20 questions? And the kids immediately do this very classic kid thing, which is just ask questions that are so revealing. And both of them are like kind of freaking out because they clearly like each other. But the questions are like, why aren't you married? And Rad's like, how do you know I'm not married? And she's like, are you married? And he's like, well, no. And she's like, well, why aren't you married? And he's like, well, ask her a question. And then she apparently had a boyfriend at one point that they knew about, and he's gone. So we find about that. The first time we, this that we watched this episode, Will, Kenny and I were, like, crying. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was so well executed. And I wanted to tell you, too, Bluey does I – didn't, I didn't show you any of this because um, there wasn't time. But um, Bluey does do a sort of cross – um episode continuity thing occasionally Mm -hmm. and the episode directly after this is called um christmas swim i think Mm -hmm. and it's christmas which of course in australia means it's fucking summer right and um which this is also one that i don't i don't know if you probably didn't but the um the episode description is just like a sentence for each of these and the episode description for that one is bluey gets a new teddy bear for christmas it's not a, it's a dog. <laughs> it's a stuffed dog toy. It's mm-hmm. not a teddy bear at yeah. all. It's like, it's so clearly a dog. Yeah. Um, it, it has been pointed out uh, to me online that someone is doing a, a 
really mediocre job writing the episode descriptions for Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. Specifically, when I saw a tweet about this, it was about The Simpsons. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, just writing really short, sometimes just straight up inaccurate descriptions, <laughs> which are pretty funny. The, and the thing too with about this like gets a dog, like a teddy bear one is like, this This is not a long episode. It's not particularly complex. And there's a picture of it right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but in that episode, they're all celebrating together and um, Rad and Frisky are... They refer to her as Aunt Frisky, mm. and they're on vacation somewhere else and video chat with them. So yeah, I really, I, I really like the show for all the reasons I've described. I think it's really funny. Um, I think it's also very, very detailed. Like every time I watch the shows, I notice little details that I didn't notice before. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of really unsaid stuff. I mean, they bring this up in one episode, but like just the fact that the like this is obvious, but I think it's a good example for the sake of this podcast, which is that like. When the dogs are enjoying themselves, their tails start wagging like dogs actually do. Right. <laughs> but it they don't bring this up for like there's there's an actual episode where they talk about this, but it's in like late in season two, and which is to say that like it's never like actually mentioned. It's just something that happens, and that if you're watching, you'll notice, and then you can sort of like notice it throughout. Right. I wanted I want to talk about dance mode, and then I want to talk about um, movies more. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that's a good place to end. So dance mode is, I think, one of the most complex episodes of a television show for this age group I've ever seen. Um, because it talks about positive consent, which is something that you can teach kids at this age. Um, but it's it's nuanced and it is difficult. And they even talk about how it's difficult. So um, in dance mode, which well, the first time I saw dance mode, I think you can imagine because you know who I am as a person. I um, just like was like weeping at the end, just like weeping. And then I made every single person that came to my house watch dance mode again. Um, but in dance mode, they're out eating um, like lunch somewhere. And Bandit eats the last chip, uh, mm-hmm. a.k.a. French fry. Um for, of bingos while she's like getting a marker or crayon that fell under the table and they're like getting the check and it's a little bit chaotic oh which as a note something i really love about the show too is i love it because the parents are shown as sort of taking equal responsibility for the kids mm-hmm. the parents also take the kids very seriously but it's not the um full like immersive the kids do whatever they want or the parents never it's 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 a little bit more realistic like there are times when the parents get frustrated or times where the parents are like i'm taking you and your game seriously but like we need to do something else and then they have to they have to either navigate like disappointing their children which in some cases just means that the kids then have to learn with the disappointment or figuring out a way that they can alter the game so that the kids are no longer disappointed and like everyone everyone wins quote unquote mm-hmm um, and in this episode, Bingo is, like, devastated. She, like, really, you know, she feels really cheated out of the fact that she didn't get this french fry. And so he says, okay, well, how can I make you feel better? And the idea is brought up that they're going to play dance mode. And the the rules of dance mode are that um, at any point, 
Bingo can tap their tails, one of their tails or all three of their tails, and say dance mode, and they have to start dancing, doing what they're doing. So they're running a few more errands, and they're about to cross the street, and Bluey's like, Bingo, we should do one of your dance modes. And she's like, oh, um, yeah, okay. And, um, you know, they hit the mom, I think. Yeah. And um, Chili has to do dance mode, like, across the um, the crosswalk. And one of the dogs is even like, hey, Chili. <laughs> like, like cat kind of cat calls her mm-hmm. a little bit. And then they're in line at the, like, at the post office or something, or the library, some store where... Yep. He needs to do, like, the dad needs to do an administrative task. Oh, and there has to be music playing is the other rule. There has to be music playing. And in there, um, Chili finds, a, like, a greeting card that's going to make noise, that, that sings a song. And so she's like, bingo, we should do a dance mode in here. And bingo is, like, even more reticent this time. But they do a dance mode on Bandit, and he's, like, dancing while there's this, like, line... There's this, like, line growing behind him because he's, like, arguing with this guy about, like, whatever address he needs to change in whatever system. And then um, they get to a – what are street performers called? Buskers. There's, like, a word. A busker. Mm-hmm. They get to a busker who's playing, like, drums made out of buckets with his with his thongs, with his flip-flops. Yep. Because, again, they are in Australia. <laughs> I had to turn on the subtitles for this part of the show. Because <laughs> they said thong? Yes. <laughs> and Bingo is really excited. This is when she wants to do dance mode. And so she goes to do both of her parents' tails and they pull them out of the way. And they really don't want to do that. And and uh, she really doesn't want to do that. And Bandit's like, I'll give you money. And she's like, "I no, I want this to be my dance mode. I haven't done any of my dance modes yet. The other two I didn't pick. And he's like, I'll give you $20. And Bluey's like, with $20, we can get a yes, no button. Mm -hmm. And she's like, fine. She's like peer pressured into getting this trinket. And so they go to this little gift shop and she gets this butt, this keychain, essentially, that when you hit the yes button, it says yes. And when you hit the no button, it says no. And Bluey is playing with it. Like, again, not Bingo is not considered anything. And they get back to the car and Bingo is just dead silent because her voice has been taken away by every single member of her family. And so they start asking her, like, what's wrong? And she starts using the yes, no button to answer their questions. And this is, I think, the best part of this episode, which is, you know, they're sort of asking her, like, why she's feeling the way she's feeling. And she's saying that she's upset that she didn't get to do things the way she wanted. And Bluey says, but she said yes, we asked her. And her mom says, hey, bingo, do sometimes you say yes with your mouth when really you mean no in your heart? She says, if I may. Yes. It's a it's a distinction without a difference, as I've been hearing Nick Weiger say a lot recently. <laughs> uh-huh. But... Uh, but she's, I just watched it yesterday. She says, does sometimes your outside voice say yes, yes when your inside voice is saying no? Yes, that's what she says. Thank you. And bingo hits the like yes button. Right. And then the way that it's resolved is they go back to the busker and she hits dance mode on all of them and they all dance and um, it's resolved. 
But I think that we, especially with, you know, knowing that rape culture exists, and especially with no means no being turned to yes means yes, um, it's really hard to get, it's really hard to explain to children, like, coercion, essentially. Um, and the fact that the show was able to really, I think, clearly demonstrate it, but also acknowledge that it can be confusing. Right. In seven minutes. <laughs> yeah. I I watched this and I sort of knew that this is the way that you were going to talk about it. And I thought, my, my initial thought, and then I will offer the sort of correction to my initial thought. Mm-hmm. My initial thought was that this can be explained by the phrase that I think I even heard you use it moments ago that we've been equipped with since we were kids, which is peer pressure. This is, mm-hmm. this is a story about peer pressure. Uh, and, and I was told as a kid what peer pressure was and why it was important not to, you know, uh, fall victim to it. Uh, and, and through that lens, this, this, uh, episode of tv for children is is not revelatory mm-hmm. the correction is is that the word peer is in peer pressure yeah and part of the story is that the whole family gets in on it and it's not only her sister pressuring her but it also comes from the mom and the dad mm-hmm. um and so that does make it more complicated because then you get into like authority structures and and it's it's about yeah what you were the way that you were framing it coercion and consent um rather than just peer pressure which is a a little more easy to simplify and i think there's there's something to here too there's some there's something here too for parents um which is part of the reason i like bluey um which is that when he's offering her the money um, right before it cuts to the gift store, Chili looks at him and says, this is bad parenting. Mm. And it's a joke line and it is funny. Um, but it's also saying to parents, um, you have power over your kids. And the way that you interact with them and treat them and show them what they're, what is allowed and what isn't allowed and what, will receive praise from you and what will not receive praise from you is going to affect them. Um, So like part of the problem with the, not with the episode, but part of the problem in the episode is that Bingo wants to make the people around her who are all bigger than her. And Bluey is her peer, but Bluey is two years older than she is. Right. Which is a big difference when you're four. Mm -hmm. Um, She wants them to be happy too. And when she says no, they keep pushing her. And so she's like, well, I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want my sister to be really angry at me. But yeah, that's that's dance mode. Right. I love dance mode. Dance mode is my favorite one. The reason I wanted to end with movies is because <laughs> movies, I think, is a really great example of what I'm trying to talk about in this entire episode so in movies they're going to see a movie being blue is really nervous about it she's afraid it's going to be scary she asks uh has her dad ask like the ticket popcorn man 
if it's scary. And he says, oh, there's a bit with lightning at the end that might be a bit scary. Um, and then they're watching the movie. Bingo can't sit still because she's a four-year-old. So that's like constant mischief. Um, and then the movie <laughs> is about these like monkeys and like the one monkey's different. And it's just like a whole range of cliches. Mm-hmm. Um, but as... They keep getting distracted. We're like, they have to go to the bathroom. They have to get more popcorn. And Bluey keeps like really seriously talking to her dad where she's like, like that monkey really is having trouble because he's different. You know, he she's like really concerned about that. And and he's like, Bandit's like, Bluey, I, I hate to tell you, but like, I think they're all going to like her because she's different at the end or like him because he's different mm-hmm. at the end. Like, clearly that's the the cliche, right? He understands the narrative, but she's experiencing for it for the first time. And then finally, Bingo is like all over the place. Bandit says he needs her help and Bluey's frozen in front of the screen. There's like basically no one in the theater. There's like one other parent and kid. And she, at the same time as this monkey, says, I can't do it. I'm not ready. (laughs) And then this, like, floating pine cone shows up and, like, says words or whatever. But they're about to leave the theater because they, you know, Bandit's, like, sort of over it. And they're about to leave. And Bluey's like, no, I want to stay. And Bingo wants to leave. And there's this moment where um, Bandit realizes and says to Bingo, this is really important to Bluey. And that's when he realizes, like, she's experiencing this for the first time. Like, I know this narrative, but she doesn't know this narrative. And she's learning something about herself through this narrative. And then there's, like, a shot that's, like, friggin' The Lion King. Where it's, like, clearly Pride Rock that they're standing on. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, that episode's really funny because it is all these cliches that we as parents know being done in a really funny way. Also, it's like the only time that you get an American accent in the whole series that I can think of. Oh, yeah, I didn't clock that, but that's true. So the, um, and I also want to say, I don't, I haven't watched every single episode of Bluey because a bunch of the episodes Kenny, in the first season, Kenny watched with Elliot. Mm-hmm. And then I've sort of been like picking them up as we've been rewatching. Um, but I have watched all of season two. So I haven't explored explicitly seen every single episode but Mm -hmm. um that's the only time i can think of it which is also sort of a funny yeah like note that the movie is like an american right it's from hollywood yeah because it's a movie yeah and i think that my whole point of this podcast podcast episode is that um to keep that in mind too that when you when you're when that you can engage with children's media for like really young kids in a way that is meaningful to them and not like just a slog for you um, but that also part of the joy is knowing that they're going to be experiencing these things for the first time. Um, and you get to see them. And also when Bingo went under the hand dryer and like was like all wiggly from being under the hair dryer, Elliot thought that was the, was giggling, like giggling to the point that he made us made us go backwards and re- rewatch it like three times. Yeah, that <laughs> like makes mid sense. episode. <laughs> mm-hmm. That tracks. Well, I want to say very good and thank you. Not only as I usually thank you for an interesting conversation, but also thank you this time for doing me a favor um, because uh, it was supposed to be my turn. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. Was, also that. Uh, I forgot about that. Yeah, it was. So it was my idea to do <laughs> monthly episodes this year. And I started in January 
And we've been trading off evenly since then. And we got through more than half a year and that's great. But um, I decided that I really wanted October and December (laughs) over September and November. So Mm -hmm. thank you for trading with me. Mm-hmm. And next month, if all goes according to plan, then it will be the return of a certain sub-podcast. <laughs> so uh, tune in next month. If we don't get to see the French Dispatch, then I guess I am stuck talking about something that I hate, like Bandersnatch, which I've threatened to do <laughs> for <laughs> many months. But uh, hopefully I won't have to resort to that. <laughs> Yeah, we'll see you next month, Will. Love you. Love you too. Bye. Bye. Will is on Twitter and Letterboxd at youngestofone, and his website is williamhoffacker.com. You can find Liz at exclamate on Instagram, at exclamate underscore on Twitter, or on her website, elizabethdeannamorrislakes.com. Our website is smugbuds.com, and the podcast is at smugbuds on Twitter and Instagram.